to the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, the gospel according to Matthew. And we're going to look at uh, just really the text that, that we've read together. And, uh, and that's, that's this parable of Jesus. And, and many people like the parables of Jesus. They find themselves in those parables. And oftentimes the parables uh, invoke from us or evoke from us a response. One that is uh, happy or glad or, you know, thankful or whatever it might be. And this one is, of course, different. And yet, I don't know many people that find this particular parable to be their favorite one. And, and, and there's a reason why. And I want to I just sort of point this out here without reading the whole thing, uh, because we just read it a moment ago. Just drop down to the end here. When he calls all the workers in, and note these words. And when those hired about the 11th hour came... The owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Uh Uh-oh, sorry. I think I jumped up a line, didn't I? And now when those hired first came, notice verse 10, uh, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And upon receiving, they grumbled, and we read that, and then dropped down to 14 here. Take what belongs to you. And go, I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, would you spend just a moment teaching us from your holy word this somewhat difficult saying of yours that you said about 2,000 years ago, Lord, and make it so applicable as if you whispered it into our ear today. We pray in your most holy name. Amen. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Yeah, I, uh, I never do that, by the way. Um, if you know me, I don't really, really like uh, slogans like that and, and that sort of thing. But people like that, and they do it all the time, you know, and, and I, it's fun to do. I'm not disparaging that at all. But I sometimes think, and this is why I don't like slogans that, like that, is we misunderstand certain little catchphrases. You know, they're out there, and they're easy to remember, but hard to understand. For how is God good when there's so much evil in the world, right? One might say. Or how is God good when he is saying here that the first are going to be last? And the last, first. You see, I think sometimes, maybe most of the time, when we think of God's goodness, we have a certain ideal in mind that isn't always God's goodness. And like, maybe, maybe our response too, like the workers here that work the longest and the hardest in the scorching heat, as it says, maybe, maybe we also begrudge God's goodness and really haven't even noticed it. You know, this is a a hard parable. (laughs) Uh, The first, last, have you ever really stopped and thought about that? You ever been in a doctor's office? Had to wait? I mean, you know, your appointment is at nine, right? And you've been there an hour. 
And you're like, okay. And then somebody like me walks in who knows the doctor personally, and I go straight back. And I can feel the eyes of some of those people in the waiting room, because, you know, I know a doctor personally. And so I just walk right in. And those people are like, no, uh uh, no, mm mm. Who is that guy, right? And then everybody's like, oh, hey, you know, yeah, Dr. Jack's back that way, you know. And they say, that's not fair, right? You ever been in an amusement park? I've been to a couple of these things, right? Like Six Flags in Georgia. It's been a little while since I've been there, but long lines, right? I mean, Disney World, super duper long lines. I mean, if you want to practice patience, just go to Disney World. Imagine, just imagine, okay? Staying in one of those, listen, for one of those Star Wars, I don't even remember which one it was. I waited two, over two hours in line. Over two hours of my life, just edging up like a cow. You know, you know those little cattle trough things that they do? You're just doing this number. They even have bars there, so you know where to go, and you're just doing it. Imagine getting up there, and you're about to be next to get online, and the guy comes in. Hey, guys, we're going to do something different. We're going we're gonna to exchange the first to be last, and the last is going to come on up here first. I mean, <laughs> I'm just gonna be, I've been a Christian a long time, but, you know, that would really test me right there. I'll be honest with you. That'd really test me right there. No, we don't, we don't actually agree with Jesus here. We don't like that idea. When it comes down to it, if we're on the road in a traffic jam, we don't like the idea of all of a sudden switching out. The first going to the back and the back coming up to the front. We might even be so bold as to say, Jesus, that really, that's not fair, man. I hate to break it to you, but that's not really fair. And it is interesting that in our text here in, in Matthew 20, if you'll back up to 1930, he actually connects the next chapter here. And by the way, there wasn't chapters in the original, so you have to understand that. But it's really sandwiched here between two sayings that say the same thing in reverse. Notice this. Look at 30 of chapter 19. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. And then drop down to again 16. So, of 20, so the last will be first and the first last. And so like a sandwich, he's got the meat of this parable to be explanatory for that understanding of what in the world is going on with this first, last, last, first. How are we to understand that? What does that even mean? And you know, here's the thing I've learned about the Bible. When you come to a text that is difficult to understand, start looking around. And what I mean by that is the context, right? So you look what came before, and then you look what comes after that. And a lot of times that helps kind of set it in context, right? It's kind of the difference in you coming up in a conversation and somebody saying something difficult. And you're like, whoa, dude, you need to back off. You're like, well, you don't even know the context of this. I might be yelling at my kid. You're like, hey, man, you need to stop yelling at your kid. Well, if I stop yelling at him, he's going to get run over by that bus because he's in the middle of the road. There's maybe legitimacy to me yelling at my children. And here, Jesus is saying something difficult. Yes, there's a reason. If you actually look back here, the disciples have already already pushed away the children. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. (laughs) Let the children come to me. You don't think they're worthy of me? No, no, I tell you that actually you'll never enter the kingdom unless you become like one of these little children. And then a rich young 
ruler or a rich young man approaches Jesus and says, hey, what do I need to do for eternal life? Long story short, he leaves sorrowful because the scripture says he had so many possessions. And then his disciples say, well, what about us? We've left everything, Jesus. What are we going to get? And Jesus' response is, the first will be last and the last will be first. And what comes after this text is something kind of similar. All of a sudden, James and John, two of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, these two brothers, by the way, they get their mama involved. In other words, they were already angling to be first in the kingdom, and now they get mama involved. Because, you know, mama can get things done sometimes. You know what I mean? It's one thing for you to come and ask me for something. It's a whole other thing for your mama to come and ask me. Then I got to deal with her. It's like, uh-oh, here we go. We got, a, we, got a, we got a mama coming. Watch out. And so she asked, hey, let my sons be, sit on your right and your left. He says, look, you don't, you don't even know what you're asking. Because the cup that I'm about to drink is a cup of suffering. You want them in on that? And he says, ultimately, yes, uh, they will suffer and die. As I will. Um, But again, people are misunderstanding the goodness of God. They're misunderstanding the righteousness of God. We misunderstand the fairness of God. And ultimately, it's because we misunderstand the grace of God. You see, life isn't fair. And it's something that I had to learn as a kid. My dad would all of a sudden say to me, you know, life isn't fair when I would begin to complain, right? Are there any complainers in that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't do that. Um, but anybody that murmurs, you know that term murmur actually sounds, it's like onomatopoeia, it does what it sounds like, you know, murmur, murmur, murmur. That's actually where it comes from. It's just murmuring. It's just grumbling. It's just complaining. And wasn't our text from Exodus dealing with that? It was absolutely, here's the Israelites and they're just complaining. And if you want to see a complaining people, just go to the Israelites. Or come to my house sometime. I've got plenty of people that complain at my house all the time. Like I actually have some people that I think are going to major in complaining. (laughs) I, uh, I think they're going to get a degree in it someday. I have some professional complainers. And you know what? I'm one of the best of them sometimes. And you know, here's the thing about complaining is it doesn't take into account gratitude. Which is really an idea of grace. If we think we did everything, then we can complain. If we think we deserve something, then we can complain. But if we think of everything in our life as a gift, even our breath this morning, even the ability to be in this room today, then it really changes the way we would complain. In fact, we wouldn't. And that's where gratefulness comes in. You know, life isn't fair, but we think, you know what? God should be. God should be fair. Like, of all people in the world... He needs to be fair, right? I mean, if anybody's going to do it, it needs to be him. And we call down his justice. And oftentimes when we're done wrong, that's the first thing. God, what are you going to do about this? 
Like this was wrong. So therefore, you need to do something about it. But aren't we really slow to bring that same justice upon ourselves? I mean, we're quick to throw the book at people. You know, we see something on TV. Oh, man, I can't believe somebody would do that. And given the right opportunity, we would do it. If nobody was looking, if we weren't going to get caught, we would do it. What kind of people would do that? Us kind of people. This is us. You know, Jonah, who I mentioned last week and interestingly was in our lectionary readings I had no idea about this week. Jonah, the reason he ran from God wasn't because he was scared of God. He was a prophet of God, for crying out loud. He knew God well. And when God told him to go preach salvation to terrorists, to murderers, to bad people, to sinners, he ran the other way because you know what he knew? He knew God would forgive him. And he didn't want God to forgive him. You ever wanted that? You ever wanted just God really to show somebody who's boss? It's a good thing we're not God, isn't it? Boy, we'd have a litany of graveyards behind us. Just blasting people. No. Don't you love when the Bible said, and we read it this morning, he is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. And he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and mercy and grace. You know, we are too quick to blast other people and too slow to then show grace. It really needs to be reversed, friend. Doesn't our world need a good dose of the goodness of God? Of mercy? Of grace? Like spinach, this is hard to swallow. Like good medicine. You know, the good medicine's always nasty, you know what I mean? Tastes great, it's probably not going to work. And you know what? This, this is one of those passages where... Those of us who think we work the hardest, those of us who think we're first, those of us that that really get picked first, maybe in life, we begin to get this idea that we deserve the things we have. And that's why it's difficult for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Is because they think they deserve it. And I don't mean just money rich. I mean you came from a good family. I mean you've had a good life. I mean you've been a Christian a long time. Those are some of the people who are in danger of thinking they deserve what... They've gotten. We don't deserve anything, friend. It's all his. 
We are stewards of what he's given to us. And some of us think we can do what we want with our body. With our money. I'm hesitant to to even share this, but it, it means a lot to me. And it was taught to me by... By my brother. <laughs> you know, pastors oftentimes get kind of a, a bad rap about money. You know what I mean? It's like, don't talk about money. Like, that's the last thing you want to do. Because, you know, all the money that went in the offering plate, like, that's coming home with you. Well, first of all, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of how we handle money around here. Let me just, let me just tell you that. <laughs> um, I don't actually ever touch the money. I don't have access to the bank account. But that's besides the point. But I had an instance in my life where somebody really challenged that, that pastors should be paid. Because, and this is something my brother pointed out, he said, you know, that person thinks that the money and the job they do, they earn it. They think people give you money. But they earn their money when they go to work. He said, what they misunderstand is that God is the giver of all things. You were given money as well. And that's why we all are called to giving. It's not to support me and my family, although it does. But we believe God will take care of us. Whether you give or not, personally. That's a big thing to trust, you know. Your jobs don't operate like that, but, you know, unfortunately mine does. Um, But, you know, God has given us the things in our life, and and this is something he's teaching me. I'm just, just being a little transparent here, personally, where he's been teaching me is this. I have often complained and wished for another life, and this is the one he gave me. You know... In certain things, I wouldn't be picked first. <laughs> you know how I went back in the day, you play like volleyballs or, or, or um, you know, dodgeball or something as kids, you know, it's like, all right, everybody line up, you know, and, and say like, I'm a team captain and say Summer's a team captain and we're going to pick everybody to be on our team. Well, I mean, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get somebody that's maybe athletic or, you know, for playing volleyball, um, a little thinner maybe, so they can dodge out here or there. You know, some people get picked last though, don't they? And, you know, as a kid, I always felt sorry. It's like, oh, man, I know that, that dude's so short. We're playing basketball. Ugh. Like, I hate that because, boom, you know, it's just going to be easy, right? It's like, man, that dude gets picked last. You know, the good news <laughs> that God is showing me in my own life is this. Those who are last in our eyes, he's got a place for them. And it's oftentimes at the front of the line. Not at the back. And those of us who who think we're athletic and think we're equipped for this world and think we can do it on our own, we're last. You know, it's it's funny what happens here in this story. They really, the work day for them is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And that's why you get these weird things like the third hour. Well, that just means 9 o'clock. You say 6, 7, 8, 9, right? 
And then you go up from there, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. And so he's picking up people who are, guess what they're doing? Standing idly. So they're just, they're idling. They're just standing there. They're not working. They're not playing the game. They're the ones who, who really are last to be chosen. And I mean, throughout the day. And this, this, this scripture has been interpreted in really like three different ways. One is to see Jews and Gentiles in this, right? Because the Gentiles come late to the game, right? And there's a, there's a disruption early on in the early church. The other way is to see it in terms of a personal spiritual journey. Some of us come to Christ early on. We're born into it. And then we start walking with Jesus Christ early on. For, for me, five years old. Others of us come later in life. And there's another way to see it as well. And that is to see it thirdly as... Really, the owner being uber gracious. And that's the angle that I'm looking at with you today. And I want us to think in terms of where are we in this line? At what point are we standing still idling? I don't think anybody wants me. You know, when a car's running in idle, mm, the purpose is to go somewhere. That's why you got it cranked, not just to idle. And, you know, here's the, here's the good news. Is it even for those of us, I mean, l- listen, it, it's, the, it's the craziest thing how God does things. Because if you looked at my report card, and this is not something to emulate younger people who are still in school. But my, my 11th grade report card was all D's and an F. And the Lord called me into academics. Like, just think about, like, it's like... Ain't nobody looking at that. Like, I didn't, you know, people walking across the stage with ribbons on and getting accolades. They just said my name. You know what I'm saying? Like, he made it through, you know. But you know who saw something more? Didn't involve ribbons and accolades of this world or applause of this world. But it was Jesus. He asked me to do it. And look, I oftentimes don't feel like I can or I should be. It's like the more I preach, the more I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And yet, he has called me to do it. He's called me off the street when other people didn't. But he calls us to work. He calls us to work. We get this idea, oh yeah, we just receive his grace and then we can go sit down. No, no, you're called into the game. There's only rest after a full week's work. It's Saturday, the last day of the week. Today's the first day of the week. It's time to work. It's time to be called into the vineyard by the owner. And, of course, he calls them up, and we read it earlier, pays the the ones who came in at the 11th hour. So you do the math, what time? Five o'clock? Man, they only worked one hour. Well, we ought to be thankful because this is, this is actually comforting to those who have grieved before, for those who have lost family members. We don't know what happens in the last moments of someone's life. You know, there were two people crucified with Christ. One of them said, he didn't say the sinner's prayer, I can tell you that. He just said, remember me, Lord. When you come into your kingdom, he said, you're going to be with me today. 
We don't have to have the right language. There's a guard of Christians that want to guard the gate to eternal life. Let me tell you, you're the ones on the outside. It's got to be this. You got to say it like that. You got to do this and that. Let me tell you, all you need is Jesus Christ in here. Everything else comes after that. No, we're not going to guard the gate. We want to welcome you in. Welcome you into a family. It is a family. It goes deeper than blood. It is a spiritual family of all those who do the will of God. No, today let's thank God that He's not fair. That instead, He's gracious. Because if He's fair, I'm still at the back of the line. I'm not up front preaching to you. If He's fair, I'm still on my way to hell without God and without hope in this world. No, thanks be to God, he's not fair, but he's gracious. Don't begrudge his generosity. Do not envy another's life. We're not called to that. When Jesus was asked, what must I do and who can be saved? Ultimately, he says, it won't be those you expect. It won't be those who are most polite, those who are most good in the way that we think of good and proper. It won't be the respectable. It'll be those who beat their chest and call out to God from their sin, from their darkness. Many of us, unfortunately, are still blind to our darkness. We're blind to the fact that evil runs right through us. We think we can manage sin. We think we've got it covered. And all the while, we're in the arms of the enemy. And he's rocked us to sleep. We're not working for the Lord, in fact. We think just because we come on Sunday, that's a great sacrifice. Maybe we give a little bit in the offer. That's a great sacrifice. Oh, we went and served on the salvation. Well, I'm done for the week. Imagine if I treated Jessica like that. I've tried to, by the way. She won't let me for some reason. It's like, babe, I already cut the grass. What else do you want from me, you know? (laughs) Relationships are not easy because they're not a checklist. And Jesus in your life is not a checklist. Okay, I'm done. No, no, no. It's a walking with God. Every day, every moment, every hour. We must not forget him, for forgetting is sin. Remembering is salvation. Remember me, O Lord. No, of course it's not fair. It's grace. It's grace. And how we need it in our world, how we need it in our life. You say, okay, Pastor Marshall, I got you. I think I got a good grasp of this, of this parable. But what do I do, man? there's only one way to receive this grace. It's as a beggar. 
In other words, none of us are rich to God. He owns it all. That's like me giving one of my kids a $100 bill, another one a 20 and another one a 5 another one one. And I have five, so then another one 50 cents. <laughs> and one of them being like, I'm rich, neener, 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 you know. It's like, well, actually, all of it's mine, so give it back. But we pull away and say, no, it's mine. I'll spend it how I want and do with it what I want. I don't just mean money. I mean our life, our time. We say, oh, no, I got the money thing. Can't care. We're good. We're good. Check. No, 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 no. We're talking whole life. I mean the people even that you live next to, the job you have. He put you there. He gave it to you as a gift. Every bit of it. Don't begrudge it. Don't miss what he wants to transform. It's not somebody else's. You're right. It's not. Don't worry about them. Don't live our, don't, we should not live our lives. I'm, speak, I'm preaching to myself here. Don't worry about them. He's asking me to do so. He's asking you to do so. He's calling you to his vineyard. And when it comes time to pay, at the end of all days, when that final sunrise happens and there's only day, or only night, then he rewards those who follow him. And he's the one who pays out eternal life. How do we receive that? As a beggar, just like this. Not like this. Not not grabbing, not grasping. Open hands. And if you keep your hands open, he can put in them things and take them out, and he will. He will. Just like my dear friends that we're celebrating today. They came into my life. I didn't, I didn't magically work that. I wasn't doing an incantation over here and got them over here. No. And I also didn't make them leave, thanks be to God. <laughs> they came in, blessed my life. And now I don't grab at them as they leave. That's how our life should be lived. That's a life where we receive eternal life. We have to stay open. Are you open to God? Or have you closed up your life and are trying to grab for what you get and what you can keep in this life? For Jesus says it this way. You try to keep your life, you'll lose your life. If you give it away, give it away, you'll gain it. For it is better to give than to receive. That's the secret of the kingdom. It's by giving that we receive. Are you willing to give of your life today? Maybe you're here and you're like, you know, I don't know that I've ever given my life to Jesus. I've prayed a lot of prayers, but I don't know that I've actually given him my life. Or maybe, maybe we've been in the field a long time. And we some see somebody else come in and God start doing something great in their life. And we envied that and we started to begrudge his generosity maybe it's time for us today say you know what lord i need to give you myself again you've given me this wife you've given me these kids you've given me this area you've given me these friends i don't want to wish my life away instead i want to give it away that's the way we receive 
That's the way we'll inherit eternal life. For it's only given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Would you receive today? No one deserves it. No one earns it. It is a gift. It's the greatest gift. Receive it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.